Hello and welcome to another APW Property Podcast, which looks at diverse aspects of the UK property market from an investor's perspective. With me today are the APW property experts, Stuart and Callum Williamson. Hello, Stuart. Hello, Paul. And hello, Callum. Hi, Paul. My name's Paul Shearer, and I've been writing specifically about property for over 15 years and have a more hands-on approach with my own property renovation projects. Uh, I'll be quizzing APW's perspicacious pair on today's topic, which is a City Watch podcast on Manchester. Callum, as usual, can you begin by telling us where it is? Sure. So Manchester, uh, it's northwest of London as the crow flies, uh, 260 kilometres, which is 163 miles in old money. I think Manchester is sort of one of the original UK cities that was sort of leading, leading the charge of Northern Powerhouse schemes. So it's been sort of one of the cities outside of London that's been seeing really good growth over the past 10 years. So yeah, northwest of London uh, and uh, obviously famous for Manchester City and Manchester United for those investors outside of the UK. Stuart, next question for you. Why Manchester as well as that on top of that Northern Powerhouse and, and growth over the last decade? Um, well, it's interesting that Callum said it's northwest of London. I think really, you know, London is southeast of Manchester, you know, depending on how you look at it, you know, because in the north, we do believe that, you know, that's where life starts. When you get north of um, Watford Gap, then you start meeting real people. And when you get past um, Birmingham, then you've got some proper people you're dealing with. And that's what the difference is, is that Manchester and the north is proper types, not like those southern monkeys that you get. Um, over and above that, from an economic perspective, I mean, just simple things like the levelling up uh, agenda has brought, I think, 85% of the FTSC 500 companies up there. It's brought Salford Keys, has brought Media City, which has turned into a real powerhouse in its own right of the lovies. And so it's a very good location from a, a business perspective. Communications infrastructure are fantastic. Well, speaking as a, a dyed-in-the-wool southerner, um, I might have to revert to my Scottish roots and call you all Namby Southern Satanax. <laughs> Great. That works for me. Okay. Uh, but uh, we're going to start off with some fun facts about Manchester. Um, here's one. Uh, car salesman Charles Rolls met engineer Henry Royce at the Midland Hotel for lunch in 1904 and formed the company Rolls-Royce. Okay. I'm going to go with a science-based fact. The University of Manchester's Rutherford Lab is named after Ernest Rutherford, who split an atom for the first time in history in 1917. Which I think pales beside the real facts for Manchester, such as the world's longest-running TV soap opera, Corrie, as we call it, or Coronation Street, as the rest of the world might know it. And uh, it started airing on December the 9th, 1960, of course, you wouldn't be around, Paul, to remember that, or, or, or any of us, for that matter, because we're such youngsters. And it's reached its 10,000 show on February the 7th, 2020, and it's still running today. Okay, well, another important fact on that vein, Vimto was invented in Manchester in 1908, and it's a carbonated drink with blackcurrant, raspberries, grape, herbs, and spices. Okay, and this is, this is a, a funny one, I think. William Cowherd died in 1816 of the Beefsteak Chapel in Greater Manchester. 
Surely this is a joke. Founded the first vegetarian church. After his death, his followers created the Vegetarian Society in 1847. And there were more vegetarian restaurants in Victorian Manchester than there are today. I know, it is just extraordinary that William Cowherd and the Beefsteak Chapel founded vegetarianism, but it is in fact true, yes. Stuart. Okay, I'll give you one last one. 1948, Tom Kilburn, Frederick C. Williams and Jeff Tootill developed the first ever stored program computer at the University of Manchester. It was lovingly called the Manchester Baby. Okay, yes, and that's a, that feeds into a big IT and uh, digital uh, presence in Manchester today. And one final one as well. In 2004, Kostya Novoselov and Andre Game isolated the first graphene, which is a sheet of carbon one atom thick, and they isolated that from graphite at the University of Manchester, winning them the Nobel Prize. So I'm going to fill in some of the blanks from between those fun facts with some history. Romans founded Manchester in the first century and built a fort there in 79 AD. Uh, it was formed from the Roman name Mamusium, uh, which was contracted to Manchester, Chester being the old name, old English caester or Roman fortica- fortification from the Latin castrum. So Mam, according to the internet, is a Britain word for breast, and the town got its name from the breast-like hill that supported the fort. But others say Mama refers to a local river goddess. Sadly, I couldn't spend the hours of checking to track down a reliable source to verify. Um, it seemed to me suspiciously like the kind of guff that creeps onto the internet and sticks like glue forever after as an absolute fact. Um, but back to the plot. Manchester was founded as an official town in 1301. In 1717, it had a population of 10,000. And then it all kicked off, uh, to use a football term. Manchester can lay claim to being the first industrial city in the Western world as the Industrial Revolution swept around the globe. In 1830, the Duke of Wellington opened the first passenger railway from Manchester to Liverpool. By 1851, Manchester's textile industry, mainly cotton, had swelled the city to 300,000 inhabitants. In 1894, the Manchester Ship Canal opened, connecting the city to the Irish Sea through Liverpool and at the time it was the largest river navigation canal in the world. And just after the turn of that century, it saw the birth of the suffragette movement, a.k.a. the Women's Social and Political Union, which was founded by Emmeline Pankhurst in 1903. The city kept on growing, and Greater Manchester absorbed the cotton manufacturing towns that surrounded it, Bolton, Oldham, Rochdale and others. Until by 1911, the conurbation boasted a population of 2.35 million. Uh, Manchester's great wealth during the 19th century makes the city a picture book of architectural styles as commercial companies commissioned architects to construct fanciful forms designed to outshine London. Banks sat in Greek temples, warehouses looked like Venetian palazzi and the town hall was built as an elaborate Gothic pile. Like so many other industrial towns, the challenge has been to repurpose these old buildings once they fell out of use to new uses. For instance, the Royal Exchange, where once cotton was traded, is now a theatre in the round. The vast train shed, that was the old central station, is now an exhibition centre. And the city has been busy reinventing itself during the 21st century uh, and the latter part of the 20th century. In 2015, Sir Richard Lees, who was leader of the city council, along with Howard Bernstein, Manchester's CEO, were instrumental in steering much of the change. And uh, Richard Lees said this, I think what we've done, and I'm talking about thousands of people here, is to help make Manchester a far more exciting place, he says. A far more pleasant place than London, or pretty much anywhere else in the country. 
Pulling the city away from the grimness of the 70s and the Moss Side riots of the 1980s, the Labour Party decided that it's jobs that would pull the city out of its slump, and the way to achieve that was by partnering with the private sector to make it happen. Bringing people back into the city centre, they created a vibrant, functioning city, which has become an inspiring example of urban regeneration. So let's have a look, as we usually do, at Manchester's pie. Uh, not pie as in the World Pie Eating Championships, which are held in Wigan every year, but pie standing for population, infrastructure and employment. Callum, you kick off with the population. Firstly, do we know what sort of pies they eat at the Pie Eating Championship every year? Uh, proper. Just proper pies. <laughs> That's it. Proper pies. All right. Okay, well, uh, pie. The reason we do this in all of the location episodes is because it's a good way to gauge whether a, a, a location is fit for purpose, for you know, from an investment perspective. So pie, yeah, population, infrastructure, employment. So Manchester, the city itself, is the fifth largest in the UK with a city centre population of 550,000, according to the Office for National Statistics, um, from their 2021 consensus. Uh, although the Manchester City Council's own forecasting model puts that figure at um, 586,000. Greater Manchester has a has a population of 2.8 million people with 1.8 million of working age. 7.2 million people live within an hour's travel of the city centre. There are just over 100,000 students across the city's five universities or the region's five universities producing 40,000 students a year. Graduates, 60% of those stay in the region to work and 51% stay in Manchester itself. Yeah, Joe, those five universities, just for reference, they're the University of Manchester, which is ranked 27th globally, um, Manchester Metropolitan University, which is home to Print City, which is a 3D printing and digital manufacturing uh, hub. There's the University of Salford, which uh, the National Advanced Robotics Research Centre, the University of Bolton and University Academy 92. So those are the five. Yeah, so you've got a, a large population and a very diverse and growing population. They say that the, the population is growing between three and 6,000 people a year uh, with the average age of, of 33. So young working population and as I say very multicultural uh, it's estimated there are a hundred different languages spoken in Manchester it, it has a substantial Irish population making for a lively St. Patrick's Day it has the second largest Chinatown in the UK uh, and the Curry Mile is a well-known eating destination just in terms of, of population the population peaked in 1931 at over three quarters of a million and then fell to a low of around 400,000. So that's just in the city centre um, as opposed to the, the surrounding uh, suburbs. But it was part of this draining of city centres as people moved out and that left these big, grim wasteland centres, which is what all of these cities have been addressing uh, as how to re revive their city centres. So infrastructure next, uh, I'll pick up on that. Manchester is one of the best connected cities in the UK for both transport and digital infrastructure. 27 million passengers a year use Manchester's airport, which connects to 210 destinations, including 14 US cities. And also Airport City Manchester, which is a big regeneration scheme, is going to develop 5 million square feet of offices, logistics, hotels and advanced manufacturing space over the next 10 to 15 years, with a total development value of over £1 billion. The light train network Metrolink radiates from the city centre to the majority of the 10 boroughs. 
And if you want to travel around the city centre, there's a comprehensive bus network and free bus running two circular routes around the city centre. There's trains to London every 20 minutes and the train journey is going to improve with HS2 as well, taking London travel down to 67 minutes from the city centre, I think, and uh, just under an hour from the airport. The key developments include Airport City, which I've already mentioned, Media City, which Stuart mentioned at the top, um, already home to the BBC, Doc 10, the University of Salford, Kellogg's and over 250 digital and creative businesses. Uh, there's over a billion pounds worth investment heading that way, which will see the footprint of Media City doubled by 2030. Trafford City uh, is 500 acres of premium brand retail, as well as sport, culture and event offerings, which attracts over 44 million visitors a year. Port Salford, uh, which claims it's the UK's first trimodal inland port facility, which is a national distribution centre accessible by road, rail and inland waterway. Spinning Fields is where over 165 financial and commercial companies are located. And other developments include Piccadilly Place, a short walk over a bridge from Piccadilly Station. St John's uh, is a redevelopment of the former Granada Studios. Circle Square brings in 2.4 million square feet of office, retail and leisure. Picking up on the isolation of graphene, which was first done in Manchester, there has been a big £600 million investment in advanced materials research with the National Graphene Institute, the Graphene Engineering Research Institute and the Henry Royce Institute. Uh, the digital connections are many and varied. Media City is the second most connected place in the UK after the BT Tower, uh, with commercial 5G coverage as well. And Virgin Media have been appointed to deliver 2,700 kilometres of full fibre optic broadband infrastructure. And here's one to get the IT systems manager's juices flowing. IX Manchester offers conventional peering services at speeds of 100 megabytes per second, 1 gigabytes per second, and 10 gigabytes per second from four Manchester data centres. Uh, no idea if that's good or bad, but I pass it on anyway. Uh, Stuart, let's come to the final bit of Pi. Um, employment, what's happening there? Just before I go on to that, I just wanted to take up the Pi conversation from earlier. I mean, I was originally from Denby Dale, which is in West Yorkshire between Wakefield and Huddersfield. And the Denby Dale Pi was a very historic, ongoing thing. And my mother used to have all the Denby Dale Pi plates all around our our walls, all the ones she collected over the years. And the most recent Demidale pie was over 12 tonnes. No, say. 12 um, tonnes for a pie. Aye, and it was drunk down with 22 oh. gallons. 22 gallons of John Smith's best bit that went into gravy. <laughs> Lovely. So the pie was so big, it had to be transported to the pie field on a 70-foot wagon. How about that? But unfortunately, it died out in the 60s for a while. This was year, that was in year 2000, because um, quite a few people died after eating it. Anyway, moving on. Manchester generates 62.8 billion GVA as part of a £140 billion regional economy. It is home to the majority of FTSE 100 companies, as I said, 75%, I think, and over 2,000 foreign-owned firms. Manchester is building on its industrial past, but embracing new technologies, specialising in digital and automotive expertise, Cybersecurity with firms such as NCC Group and Raytheon UK being based there. They're a big supplier to the MOD. Immersive technologies, virtual reality, augmented reality. I can understand that. I've been out to a few pubs in Manchester. And there's a lot of augmented reality in there. For anti-technologies, Eon Reality, whose European HQs in Manchester 
Automotive industries like Bentley, Rolls-Royce, PSA, Vauxhall, and Jaguar Land Rover have their IT and engineering hubs there. Other people, Acom, Airbus, BBC, BAE Systems, Siemens, oh, the list goes on, I could talk forever. Loads of excellent jobs. One of these cities that claims to have the most stickable graduate employments, i.e. more people stay in Manchester after they've graduated than any other city. But virtually every other city says that as well. They, they say something similar about Birmingham, I think, um, you know, a very high proportion anyway, but they are two, two centers that employ lots of sort of younger white collar workers, right? So I guess it makes sense. No, it's true. If you do, we use a company called Property Data and they will sieve out the relevant demographic profiles and educational levels. And if you look at places like Manchester and Birmingham Center and compare them to Leeds, for example, you do have a, an educational profile, which is mostly degree level in the city centres. There's the global headquarters of Umbro and the cooperative group and the European headquarters of Brother, Etihad, Airways, Kellogg's, Adidas, Siemens and Tote Sport. Manchester is a UK logistics hub and also excels in financial services, construction, retail, real estate, business services, public administration, education and health. And if you want to have a look at all of that, that online, go to Wubba 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 Investment Monitor AI Analysis Largest Cities UK Investment Strengths. A couple of other things. Uh, Manchester is predicting this from the Manchester City Council website foresees an increase of around one hundred thousand jobs by twenty thirty seven, of which approximately ninety percent is forecast to be within the Greater Manchester Plan area. So lots happening there, but it's. Something that other people have spotted. Yeah, I mean, if you look at property prices around Salford Quays or in Deansgate in the city centre, you know, it is pound per square foot at the front of the curve. You know, it's on its way down towards London prices. So you have to be very careful where you are buying. You know, the average price in April 2022 for an apartment was 221485 Pounds, sorry for a property, according to the Land Registry Index. You know, but if you go to somewhere like Trafford Park, you're going to get it a lot cheaper than there. It's a case of just choosing locations that have ties, you know, infrastructure, employment, communication within the city. And the fact that the tram is absolutely fantastic in Birmingham and Manchester means that you're going to find these places and you can find good value for money at well below the average pound per square foot. So what about some of the predictions that there were around at the beginning of the year about the kind of growth in property prices in the region? Yeah, well, Savills predicts average property prices in the northwest will grow by 18.8% by 2026. That is a brand new Jones Lang report out today saying it's going to be 20% in Manchester uh, over that period, 4% on average in 2002, according to Jones Lang, but it is a 20% average. They're all suggesting that, that the highest rate of house price change of all the cities in the UK. I think the big thing to bear in mind with Manchester when it comes to buying buy-to-let is that 33% of all the properties in Manchester are buy-to-let properties. So if you're buying there on a buy-to-let basis, you've got a big target market. And if you compare it to somewhere like Hartlepool or Middlesbrough, when they only have about, I think, 17%, of their properties that are buy-to-let, it means there's only a small rental market and it won't be filled easily. Manchester will be filled easily because it's a standard thing to do. So 
Oxford Economics predicts Manchester the highest economic growth of all the UK cities over the next five years. You know, it's a great recipe. And even though it's full of Manx, it's a good place to invest. Yes. Um, there were some, you know, notes of caution, though, is that it also contains some fairly deprived areas in the greater Manchester region. Uh, so those are some of the things that the regeneration schemes are, are designed to address. But it does mean that you should just, you know, do do wider research. Callum, any areas to pick? Sure, yeah. As, as you mentioned, you know, there's there are a lot of areas within Manchester that you can look at. And I think now that it's slightly a slightly more mature market, you know, you do just need to be a bit more savvy when you're looking at the places you're buying and you need to make sure you're getting value for money and not just paying, you know, the price that people are asking. So some of the areas you can look at, the city centre, the city's population continues to snowball. So there is always a demand for rental housing in the centre. In addition to this, it's an area with an abundance of facilities and excellent tra- transport links and interchanges. Uh, Salford, that's been sort of well documented over the past five, 10 years. It's the area that's close to the city centre. It's home to the famous business dis- districts of Salford Keys and the Media City. Uh, Stockport, another good location, good transport links to the city centre. It's a popular residential area for families. You've got Moss Side, which is more student orientated uh, due to the proximity of the location to several of the universities in Manchester. And then Trafford, which a lot of people will know, or a lot of people outside of the UK for Old Trafford, as it hosts Manchester United's football ground um, and the famous Trafford Centre shopping mall. Okay, well, we're going to be taking a closer look at the different neighbourhoods of Manchester in a Neighbourhood Watch podcasts. Um, so we're going to be doing two uh, looks at cities, one with uh, the pie, population infrastructure and employment, and then a Neighbourhood Watch where we look at the different aspects and flavours of different neighbourhoods. So keep an eye out for that. Uh, for more information about Manchester, I recommend the website Invest in Manchester. Dot com. Uh, also, the Manchester City Council plan uh, is pretty comprehensive. Next week, we're going to be answering a frequently asked question on tax. Uh, but until then, uh, it's goodbye from Stuart. Cheerio. Uh, goodbye from Callum. Goodbye. And toodlepip from me, Paul Shearer. Thanks for listening to this episode of our podcast series produced for APW by Emma Holton at Brilliant Audio. If you enjoyed it, be sure to subscribe, hit like, share it with your friends. If you didn't, keep stum. You can find more episodes in all your usual podcast places.